by jumping in today. We have three baptisms today, um, this evening, so we're going to be skipping our prayer time, and we're going to be jumping into the sermon today, just so that we're not here um, too late. But grab your Bibles, let's read together the scripture, the text that we're going to be covering today, Matthew 6. And I'd love for us all just to read it together. Matthew 6, we're going to begin in verse 5. As you know, we've been in a series on prayer, the Lord's Prayer specifically. And we find it here in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. And I love to begin in verse 5 whenever I read this passage because it's a reminder about how we are to pray. Not only the way we're supposed to pray, but a reminder on how. So if you're there, I'll go ahead and start. In Matthew 6, in verse 5, we read this. Jesus said, when you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close the door and pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words, so don't be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask. Verse 9, pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. So one of the amazing things about this prayer that we read right here is Jesus is so emphasizing the importance of prayer. So much so that in the most important sermon that I believe that was ever given, the Sermon on the Mount, right in the middle of it, he decides he needs to teach us to pray. And of course, the disciples wanted to know how to pray. They, they saw the power of prayer in his life. L listen to some of these verses that speak of Jesus' prayer and his prayer life. He had risen before dawn and gone out to pray in Mark chapter 1, verse 35. In Luke chapter 6, verse 12, it says that he prayed all night. In chapter 14 of Mark, it says he sent his disciples to their next destination while he remained behind to pray. I'm sorry, of Matthew 14, I believe. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place, Luke 11, verse 1. And referring to a demon, he says this in Matthew chapter 17. He says, but this kind does not go out except by prayer and by fasting. Prayer is certainly a huge part of Jesus' life. I believe it's where he got his strength, he got his focus. Now, he's God. But he set an example for us on how we should pray. And although he's God in the flesh, he still relied on his Father for comfort, for strength, and for power. I don't think he needed to do it, but he wanted to do it. He relied on the Father. Now turn over to Ephesians chapter 6, because I really want to illustrate this point on prayer. And it's a verse that we all know very well, 
We're going to read verses uh, 10 through 19. Paul's writing to the Ephesians. And I don't know if we can stress this enough. Such a powerful verse. We call it the armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, it says, Paul says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God, so that you may take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You go, wow, that sounds like, like a movie. He goes on to say, and he says, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. This is a, an amazing piece of text right here, because I, let's just recap a little bit. He says, Paul has this conviction. He says, listen, your battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. The true battle is in the spiritual realm. And that we need to be prepared to stand our ground. That we need to stand firm. And he's talking about putting on this thing he calls the armor of God. And basically the armor of God, we read that it is truth. The armor of God is righteousness and readiness and faith and salvation and, and God's word itself. And then in verse 18 through 20 there, many times Paul mentions and he, he, he emphasizes the idea of how much we need pray, prayer. He tells them to pray for me. He pray for the people. Pray that I will do this. Come to God and pray in the Spirit. He's, he's given us the emphasis and the importance about prayer. We need to be prepared. We need to be able to make a stand. We need prayer. It's just bottom line. God's Word and prayer are the two resources that God has given the church, that's you, has given us to overcome the enemy, to, to gain territory for God's glory. It's prayer. We, we, we need it, and so we study it tonight. Now, last week we, we got together and we just gave praise and thanks for all that God has done in our life, even though it's been a tough year. But two weeks before that, we began this series on breaking down the Lord's Prayer and looking at prayer at different components and how we should think about prayer. It's one way. It's not the only way. There's many ways to pray. 
But I guarantee if you dig into the Lord's Prayer in this way, it will stretch you. It'll help you to grow in your prayer life. So a couple weeks ago, I guess it was three weeks ago, we started out with Father. And we come to learn that when you start to begin a prayer, the Lord's Prayer outline, and you begin with Father, it all begins with positioning yourself before the Lord. It's about getting started. It's about asking God to help you to pray, to pray to pray. You're asking God to empower you. You're asking God to give me help. Do you acknowledge your powerlessness to even pray in a way that's pleasing to God and beneficial to you? We need to ask for help. We ask the Spirit to intercede for us with groans that our little words cannot express. We ask God to enable us with His Spirit for the simple things. We ask God to help us to focus. We ask God to help us to pray for X amount of minutes. We started several weeks ago, and I said, I want you to try to pray for 10 minutes. Now, 10 minutes, many people go, that ain't much. But yet, I have talked with many people where 10 minutes can be a struggle to pray in an effective way. But we ask for the simple things, that it would be a quality time. And we ask specifically, God, help me to pray for 10 minutes. In that first component of prayer, it's about positioning. You're getting ready. You're getting started. But then the key is relationship. It's about making contact with God. And you focus in on, on the word Father, what it means, Daddy. Jesus gave, he said, Daddy. We're unique in that regard that we were, they had never prayed that way. Jesus prayed this way. He called him Abba. It's, it's an intimate form of prayer. It's Daddy. And we're unique in the sense that we have that example. They had never seen that before. It's about making contact with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's, it's making contact, you, you realizing you are just a child, and you're just saying, Daddy, pick me up. It's not being afraid to ask God to let me jump in your lap for hugs of love and encouragement. It's about making contact with the Son, who is not only your Lord and God, but also your friend and your brother. And it's great to let your mind float around the dynamic of those relationships. It's about asking the Holy Spirit to fill you with His presence, that you'd be into the flow of prayer. But it all begins when you ask for help. And you ask Father and you position yourself by realizing who you are in His presence. And I ask that we start a prayer journal that you write some of these things down. And then two weeks ago, we started on the second component of prayer, getting focused, where now we're going to focus all our attention on God himself. Hallowed be your name. You see how it is. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. It's all about him, the first half of the prayer. And we talked about time to get focused on God by thinking about his names. And we know that the name of God is Yahweh. Now, this is interesting is we don't really know for sure how to even pronounce his real name. That name is only used once a year in the Holy of Holies by the high priest. Once a year when there was a great festival. They were so worried that they would blaspheme God's name, they thought, we're not even going to ever say it. And that name would, would be given up only on his deathbed to his son. And so, honestly, we don't even know for sure how to pronounce it. Our best guess is Yahweh, the name above all names, the great I Am. But this is interesting. As I think about 
how the priest knew the name and he passed it on. I never want us to get caught up on pronunciations of words. Don't let your pride ever prick you to where you think knowing the names of God is a big deal, like how to pronounce them. And we went through like seven, eight, not nine names last time. The key is you just know what they mean. Yahweh, I am. The Lord of salvation, Jesus, Yeshua. That he is the Lord of righteousness, that he is the Lord who sanctifies you, that he is the Lord who is present. If you want to memorize one, it's fine. memorize Shama, because there's never no debate about how to pronounce that name. Some people will go, no, it's Rohi or Rohai. No, you didn't say it right, bro. It's Rope. No, it's Rofa. Don't get caught up in all that. Just know the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my provider. The Lord who heals you. The Lord is my banner. We talked about the names and how all of those names together remind us of who God is and the Lord is peace. Because of who he is and because of his covenants and because of his promises, we have peace in our life because of the promises of God. And we spoke of those and I asked that you would start a prayer journal thinking about each and individual name of God, the characteristics of God. For example, the Lord is my shepherd. A shepherd protects you. A shepherd leads you. He doesn't beat you with his staff. He pulls you in. He's a restorer of your soul. He leads you down paths of righteousness. He makes you lie down in green pastures and gives you quiet waters to walk beside. You just let your mind as you pray, think about what it is to be around a shepherd who knows your name and you know his, who's there to protect you against the ferocious wolves of the world. And this is how we are to pray by thinking of God's name. Hallowed be your name. Now tonight, we come to the third component of prayer. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We all, we all need God's intervention in our lives. And that's what this is. God's kingdom come, an intervention, to please, it's an invitation, I'm sorry, an invitation where you ask God to intercede in your life and in the life of the world. And we'll get to the last, the last four we're going to do in one week, <laughs> next week. Because honestly, after you start praying this way, you'll realize what used to take most of the time, your time in prayer, where you're asking a wish list, all of a sudden becomes the shortest part of your prayer because you're so full of who God is and his presence. And so we'll take care of that next week. So this week, when it comes to praying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, there's basically five things that we should focus on. You're asking God, intervene, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in my life, in the life of my family, in our church, in our nation, and in our world. And it seems that over this past year, I've probably spent more time on this component of prayer than anything else. It's been great praying, Father. It's been great praying about His name. It's been great confessing my sin before the Lord. But nothing has occupied my heart more this year with the political environment and the uprising and just the presence of evil in our world. And I spent more time right here in this component of prayer. Jesus instructed us to pray for God's kingdom 
to come. His will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, what does it mean when he says kingdom? What does kingdom mean? Most Western minds think of real estate. Or even the Jews, they thought he was going to come as a warrior king, a physical king. But when Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you, was he talking about some geographical landmass? No. Talking about his dominion, his reign in you. When Jesus said, seek first, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He wasn't talking about getting the best lot in that neighborhood. He would probably speak against that, in fact. He's saying our top priority should be God's rule and reign in our hearts and in our lives. That's the kingdom that Jesus is teaching us to pray for. Our objective should simply be to experience the reality of God's kingdom in our lives. God's priorities should dominate. God's priorities should dictate the agenda in our hearts and in our lives. Now, when we pray, do we always get what we ask for? No. Maybe you do. Not I. Our priority is not more important than God's priority. But when we pray, we should still have the expectation that we will get what we ask for. When we pray for God's influence on earthly situations, church, we should expect that it will happen. Thing is, we just don't know how and we don't know when. We don't always know what that looks like. Now here, just a little side thing. Let me step out of the passage here for a minute. A couple years ago, we were in the book of Acts. And Pastor Sean had to go away for some reason. He asked me to teach on Sunday. And I taught on Acts chapter 12. And I still remember so much of what I've learned. This, that chapter impacted my life as I studied it. And it's the story where uh, King Herod has captured James and Peter. And they're under arrest. And he, right at the beginning of the chapter, he kills James. My heart was broken. There's no explanation. James is gone. And Peter's arrested. He's locked up. And it says that the, per, the church prayed earnestly for a miracle. And then a miracle happens and an angel comes and frees Peter and he's under guard. And they're sleeping and he frees him and the, the, the cuffs fall off his hands. And then he leads him. He says, follow me. And he leads him down to the street. And Peter's kind of like in a daze, and when he gets in the street and the angel vanishes and he realizes, I'm here alone, I'm safe, he says, I know without doubt that an angel rescued me. Even while Peter was probably praying for his own life and the miracle happened, do you think he might have doubted? Yeah. While the church was praying earnestly for a miracle for Peter, do you think there were any doubters? Probably. When Peter realizes he's free, it says he goes to the mother's house of John and he knocks on the gate. And a girl comes and recognizes his voice. And she tells everyone, it's Peter! 
He's here. Peter's here. And they say, you're out of your mind. And she said, no, 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 no. It is Peter. And they say, probably his ghost. They had already buried him. Here they are praying for a miracle, gathered together, and he comes and the miracle is answered. Probably his angel. They had already buried him. How many times do we pray that God would intervene in a given situation in our lives, and yet that situation is already dead to us? We've buried it. God wants us to pray with the expectation that our prayers will release His power on earth. His power on earth. We don't change God's will. Understand, I'm not saying that. We don't change God's will. It's not our kingdom we're praying for. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But through prayer, we will be bring the reality of God's kingdom into our lives. What we need to understand, and I, I always try to get this through my head, what I really want, what you really want, is what God wants for you. It's just sometimes we don't know that. You think back through your life and the blessings you have. You didn't know that's what you, indeed you wanted and needed, but God did the whole time. So tonight... As we begin this, in my life, praying for the kingdom to come, your will be done in my life. Start off with this question. Ask yourself, what is it that you want? As if God is asking you, son, what do you want? Daughter, what do you want? The Bible tells us sometimes we don't get because we don't ask. But James tells us sometimes we, don't, we ask, but we don't get because we ask with the wrong motive. Ask what you want. I love starting out when I pray for God's kingdom come, His will to be done on earth and heaven in my life. I say, well, what is it that I want? How do I know what God wants for me? The Bible. The Bible is full of God's will for us. So I try to find scripture that matches up with whatever it is God's kingdom is about, that he would want for me. And my top four things is I want to become a man of prayer. I want the blessing of God. I want intimacy with God. And I want to overcome fear. These four things are right at the top. Your kingdom come, God. Your will be done in my life. What is it that I want? I love reading this passage before I begin in my life. I I, I say this. I read this. And this is the King James Version because it just reads so beautifully. Psalm 109, verses 1 through 5. Hold not thy peace, O God of my praise. For the mouth of the wicked and the mouth of the deceitful are opened against me. They have spoken against me with a lying tongue. They, they compassed me about also with words of hatred and fought against me without a cause. For my love 
They are my adversaries. But I give myself unto prayer. And they have rewarded me evil for good and hatred for my love. You know why I read this one? I read this one as a reminder that no matter how bad things get, it's never been this bad for me. But no matter how hard things get, I will be a man of prayer. That's what I want. That, that's what I want. God's kingdom come, His will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. In my life, I want to be a man of prayer. Because Jesus emphasized it. Because our battle is not against flesh and blood. That we influence the heavenly realms by how we pray today. The greatest thing, I want to be a man of prayer. The worst thing, I want to be a man of prayer. It's a reminder. I pray that God's kingdom come, His will be done in my life, that I would receive His blessing. We know that Moses told Aaron, he said, you tell your priest to bless the people in this way. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May his countenance or may his face turn toward you and grant you peace. Number six, verse 24. So you try to find scripture to go along. You know that's God's will. I want in my life, God's kingdom to come that I would have intimacy with God. Who doesn't want an intimacy with God? I mean, a heartfelt intimacy. And some guys, okay, you may go, well, I don't need that kind of intimacy. Shake hands is enough. Listen, you don't know you do need it. You were created in God's image, which means you were created so you, that the same kind of heart as God, to have a heart-to-heart relationship with our Father. You don't know you need it, but this is exactly what you need, an intimacy with God. So it's good to pray for that. Now, for me, I, I pray about fear. Now, I could easily have put overcome my fears into give us each day our daily bread category, but I felt like the Spirit was just telling me it goes here because I've always struggled with it, fear of teaching. Fear of being up here and people looking. Look, uh, it's here because the very first time in my spiritual life that I was asked to speak, 25 years ago, I was asked to do a simple communion. I'll never forget it. I came up, I had written it out, it was planned. I come up with my notes, and the worship leader had left a glass of water on the podium. And I come up, hey, it's great to do the communion, and I knocked the water over. And I saw my notes, my life, smear and drip off the podium into an electrical outlet. We were at a hotel, and there was an electrical outlet right down there. And I, my friend who was sitting in the front row told me later that he thought I was having an epileptic seizure. It is stuck with me, a fear of teaching, of being a fool in front of you. It goes here for me. Fear of crowds. Fear of man in in any form. The Bible says fear of man will prove to be a snare. Proverbs 29.5 But those who trust in the Lord are kept safe. Sometimes people fear failure. Other times people fear success. I've had both of those in my life. It goes here. 
I ask God's kingdom to come, his will to be done in my life, that I would be pleasing to God through my character and through a prosperity, and he would empower me. In my character, that I'm asking God to transform the defects of my character, to help me with my old nature issues, pride and selfish ambition and lust and greed and drugs and alcohol. Still pray about these things. The great thing about having a prayer journal, church, is I have like a living record of miracles that have happened in my life. It it, it is one of my most cherished possessions as I've seen so many things happen. Now, I still pray about fear, but compared to where I was, a miracle. Am I where I need to be? No, that's why it stays in here. I pray God's will to be done. In my life, I'd be pleasing to him through fruitfulness and a dependence on on God. The Bible says we didn't choose him, that God chose us and he appointed us to go out and bear fruit that would last. I want to be dependent on God always. I want God, I want to be pleasing to God through a spiritual maturity. I I just want to grow spiritually. I want to find unity in the knowledge of Jesus, attain the whole measure and the fullness of Christ. These are the scriptures, Ephesians 4. I love to pray about the fruit of the Spirit. I want to be pleasing to God by praying through the fruit of the Spirit. Start with love. Love is the most important. It's the greatest gift. Without love, you're a clanging gong and a resounding cymbal. You're annoying is what it's saying. Love. I love praying through those. And, 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 and I want to be pleasing to God by just being available. Church, listen. God may want to do a miracle with your life, but sometimes the biggest problem is Satan keeps you so busy, you're not available. We want to have the heart of Isaiah when God said, Who shall I send? Isaiah said, Here am I. Send me. Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven in my life that I would be pleasing to you and I'd be open to your leading. Where do you want me to go, Lord? How do you want me to do it? I'll go anywhere and do anything at any time. Through a servant-like spirit, Jesus washed his disciples' feet. I want that spirit to serve He washed the disciples' feet. He showed his love, those who were in the world. And he showed us the full extent of his love. Your kingdom come, your will be done in my life. Father, that I would follow your program. That just means I acknowledge without you I can do nothing. I acknowledge, I affirm your power that in you, you give me the strength that I can do anything through you who strengthens me. It's great to affirm God's power because He's so powerful in our lives. Sorry, this thing's bugging me. I love to pray God's fault. We follow God's program that we just tap into the Holy Spirit of God. It's a great place to be praying about the Holy Spirit jumping in your life. But in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord about the Lordship of Christ, to maintain that Lordship of Christ, Lordship of Christ to understand who He is. He's God. We are not. In your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone for the hope that you have. But do it with gentleness and respect. 
Now, I want to follow God's program, and so should you, and some of you should write this one down. To take a moral inventory. That means you're praying to get good at confessing your sin. Look, it doesn't come natural. I pray, Lord, help me to just be open about my life, that I'd be comfortable being in the light. John tells us that we hate the light, that we run from the light. The world does not want the light. So I pray to strive for growth. Like newborn babies crave spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in it. 1 Peter chapter 2. Pray to follow God's program, be called into action. Not only here am I, send me, but you think about Acts chapter 1 verse 8, where he'd send us out to the ends of the world. We have to be available. We, we, we want to strive for growth and be called into action. And then just simply to experience the kingdom of God. I, I, when you experience the kingdom of God, you're full of joy and righteousness. And there's too many Christians who are not experiencing the kingdom of God. A joy and a peace and a righteousness in their life. To be full of the Holy Spirit. Health and prosperity. Great scriptures that cover these issues. And I think one I was so convicted about, and it's in here, kingdom identity. When I got out of the ministry the first time in 2003, after pastoring a church, I went to work in the fast food industry. And I had been there several months. And a, a conversation came up about Jesus. And during the conversation, I mentioned I was a Christian. I was so convicted when one of the employees said, I never knew, I would have never guessed that you were a Christian. A kingdom identity. I pray from that moment on. Later on, I went on to run seven Arby's in Wyoming. And everyone knew what I was all about. We're praying, God, your kingdom come, your will be done in my life, that I would lead first in humility, that I would become a powerful speaker. These things have been in this book since 1998. Still praying for them. That I'd be an awesome husband. Now that one came later. Oh no, they were, yeah. That was the year, actually that was the year <laughs> I got married. So as I was engaged, I, was, I added that one. So these components in my life, the next ones will go faster. In my family, secondly. You're asking, God, king, your kingdom come, your will be done in my life and in my family. Now, here's a great place where you're praying for your family, your family for a blessing, prosperity, and protection. And start with your spouse if you're married. You start there. That's where it begins. Now, I, I'm pretty vulnerable as these things I'm showing you. My wife knows I'm going to share about her. I begin with her. And I pray specific things for her. And I suggest you get specific in your prayer. I pray, as I found this passage in Isaiah, that God would put on her head a crown of beauty. That I would only be drawn to her that I'd always see the inner beauty 
as well as the outward beauty. I pray that God would anoint her with an oil of gladness, that she would be glad to be my wife, that she'd be glad to be a mom, she'd be glad to be in the kingdom of God and the queen of our household. I pray that he would drape her with a garment of praise that women would want to be like her, that she'd be worthy of praise because she's getting praise from her husband. When I pray these things with my wife, she radiates I pray she'd be encouraged for her specific needs of fatigue and pray for our marriage that she'd be a good mom, that I'd be a good dad, specific things, that we'd be patient, I'd be full of grace and love and kindness and firmness. All the things that I have success in and things I'm still working on, especially firmness with my daughter. I pray for her relationship with God and her faith, as you should as well. And then you just get specific, and I didn't get the rest specific as I have in this book, but that's where you just list. Look, you just get some subpoints. You list every member of your family and then subpoint under each one of them specific needs. And I, I'm telling you, these pages right here are the most important to me because when I started this, no one in my family was a Christian. I have three sisters. My father, my mom are all in here. And it's like a checklist of miracles that have come true as they've all come to the Lord. It's just an amazing time. Number three, or C, however you want to label it, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven in the church. You pray for the church. You pray specifically not only the church universal, but your church. Calvary Chapel is where it is now for me. I'm praying for our blessing and prosperity for our protection and that we would be used in this community. And it begins with our staff. Now, they don't know this. Everyone's hearing this for the first time. I love praying for our staff. I get specific. I pray for the Sells family, for Sean, Sheila, Caleb, and Abby. And what's so cool is everybody who's been on staff since I came here is in this book and their kids the Pock family, Kevin, Lori, Hannah, Rachel, Karis, Jacob, Nathaniel, Harmony, Gabriel, Jared, Heidi and the kids. All the way down, there's people who aren't here anymore. The Jamesons, Dana, David, Presley, Scarlett, Lucy and Jason, Tono and Carrie and their children, Josh and Vanessa Hedham and their four kids. I pray for our deacons. I pray for the elders. It's what we should do. I pray for the kingdom come, God's will be done in our people, in our church community. There's many other things that I go into here. Pray for our churches, Harriman, and the pastor there, Aaron, and his family. And it's great, you do this in pencil so you can add and subtract Mostly add, like you have to erase to make room because new kids are being born all the time. <laughs> We're growing. God, your kingdom come, your will be done in my life, in my family, in my church, and in our nation. I spend a lot of time in this part. In our nation specifically, just praying for mercy and forgiveness and a healing and a revival in our city, Cheyenne praying for our Wyoming state leaders and 
our president in our nation. And it's funny as I have all these presidents that are <laughs> crossed out. I don't erase those. I just cross them out and put the new one in as a record of who I've been praying for. Praying for a revival and reformation in the United States and abolishment to abortion and pornography. Seems like that's going to be there forever. But I'm praying with an expectation that God's will be done. That this abortion gets overturned in the Supreme Court. And I'm praying for in our world. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, in our world. And I pray for the big things. Compassion worldwide, world hunger, peace. I pray for world evangelism, and it's a great place to start. You, you pray for a world evangelism in our generation, in your generation. And I pray for churches, the church universal. My, my hope and my prayer as we close out is that you too would begin praying the Lord's Prayer. And when you come to this component, you begin by asking, what do I want God to do in my life? Listen to his, for God saying to you, what do you want? Ask the Holy Spirit to show you what you need to pray for. Start making lists. Find scriptures that connect to that. I used to always struggle, like, how do I know God's will? Like, I used to always struggle, how can I pray for money? Then I found a scripture, Lord, give that I may give. I'm like, yes, God, give me more that I can give more. And some of you have this gift of gives. That's exactly the prayer he heard. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you pray for 30 minutes. There's a lot of stuff here. Now listen, you may look at this and go, that's overwhelming, that's so much, all these scriptures you know. I've had 25 years to work at it. Pick one scripture, one component and focus on it. Add a scripture. Pretty soon, these scriptures are just part of your heart, part of your psyche. It just roll off your lips when you're praying in the Word. And then pray through the first three components of prayer during that 30 minutes. Church, you can do this. It is important. I think... Miracles are happening in this church, in this community, and yet I think if we were to ask everyone at our church about their prayer life, I think most would say it's not where they want it to be. But there is a remnant of people at this church that are praying so powerfully that they're carrying the heavy load of the miracles happening in our church. And this is a year of miracles, and it's because of people who are giving it up for God. Let's pull our weight, let's give our hearts, and let's pray. Amen? Our God in heaven, we praise you and we thank you, Father. And I just thank you for just the time to talk about this. And Father, I know that for many, prayer is overwhelming, and yet you never intended it to be that way. Father, I pray that any legalism in our hearts would be pushed aside, that we wouldn't get in a legalistic way and think it's got to be 30 minutes today and 45 minutes tomorrow, God, I just pray that the short prayer would be just as powerful as the one we, when we have an hour set aside for. Father, I know that 
sometimes our circumstance of the day dictates that we focus on one component over another. Father, I know you hear those prayers as you've heard your kingdom come, your will be done in my life, in my family, in my church, in our nation, and in our world over and over for me this year. Father, I believe you've blessed that. I have a book of miracles in my hand. Father, would you continue to be with us, be with our church, be with them. Father, be with them as they try. Give them the encouragement and the success of contact with you. Bless their efforts and bless their heart and answer those prayers. Father, we love you. We thank you for prayer. and We thank you for the power of prayer. In Jesus, I pray. Amen.